Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Welcome, everybody. It's the uh, first Thursday Dharma Talk from Refuge Recovery World Services. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're coming back, welcome back. Um, if you're listening later on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. Just a reminder, I like to try to remember to clarify anybody that's here for the first time that this is not a refuge recovery meeting. Uh, this is a teaching um, that I'm offering, uh, which is different. Refuge recovery meetings are peer-led and um, there shouldn't be any individuals doing teaching or answering questions or anything like that in refuge recovery meetings. This is um, from World Services and an offering to sit with a Dharma teacher and hear, hear a talk, hear some meditation instructions, and also maybe have some dialogue. We have a one hour class from five to six. And uh, thanks for joining me tonight. In my um, thinking about what to teach tonight, I try to cycle through different different teachings, most of which is um, covered within the Refuge Recovery book, sometimes picking up topics, um, Buddhist topics that are maybe not covered so well in the, in the Refuge book. But with the holidays uh, coming up, uh, I've been thinking about forgiveness and the importance of um, the importance of forgiveness for most of us, maybe all of us, uh, in relating to family and, and maybe relating to holidays. And, uh, and as most of you are well aware, Refuge Recovery holds forgiveness meditation practice in the experience of training our minds and our hearts to forgive ourselves and to forgive others and to ask for forgiveness and to make amends. We, we hold it as a quite a central practice in refuge. Uh, we suggest that from the beginning of someone's recovery, after they, I think it says something like for the first week or so, just do the mindfulness of breath, but that once you've been here and attending meetings, you know, for a short period of time, start alternating the forgiveness meditation. There's a lot of levels, a lot of reasons for that. One is, um, I believe that uh, it's resentments or self-hatred that will most often re lead to relapse. And so the importance of forgiving ourselves and forgiving others as a relapse prevention, as an ability to uh, fully embody our present reality, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, a, a skill to be able to respond to, to tend to our minds, whether they're being judgmental towards ourselves or others, whether we're um, feeling ill will or, or spite or um, turning towards this practice of replacing unskillful thoughts and the natural tendency of the human mind to experience anger and resentment and that self-centeredness that um, 
turns on ourselves and and the blame and the shame and the um, that can make life so unbearable and forgiveness as a practice that uh, makes life more and more bearable, more and more inhabitable. And um, I don't know how many of you uh, are planning to go uh, home for the holidays or uh, are going to do, you know, Friendsgiving uh, or are you going to go um, be with, but so often and you know, this isn't true for everyone, but it seems true for, for so many of us that, you know, our families push our buttons and, uh, you know, old resentments and unhealed and unforgiven uh, guilt maybe that we have from our addiction or um, resentments that we have from our childhoods or later experiences in life get, get brought up in, in the uh, holidays. And uh, there can be a lot of pressure in the holidays. Who am I going to be with? And um, you know, my chosen family, my friends, or my birth family, or um, so I just want to encourage an attitude of compassion and forgiveness towards yourself and towards, uh, you know, your family. Um, there's a joke, I guess, about um, how come our parents can continue to push our buttons even as we're adults and that they always know how to get us. And, um, you know, they always know right where the buttons are because they are the ones that installed them. And, um, and there's some truth to that. Like, yeah, my parents can push my buttons or I'm sure, I, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, you probably push your children's buttons. I'm a parent. I'm, you know, like there, there's some truth to that. And in some ways, forgiveness is what can help us rewire and uh, dismantle and, and disengage those buttons so that the button isn't there to be pushed once we have forgiven, once we have thoroughly and consistently um, brought compassion to our parents and to our family members, the, the, even the most difficult ones. All of that having been said, there are some situations that are not healthy to go into, and sometimes we need to, to, to stay away and have really quite firm boundaries, you know, especially if there's been um, abuse in the family. Um, sometimes it's not, the, it's not the right place to go to, especially maybe an early recovery. Much better sometimes to surround yourself with our chosen family, our Sangha. But even the Sangha gives us opportunities for forgiveness. <laughs> we can still annoy each other and we can still push each other's buttons and and a central part of our, our Buddhist practice is, can we meet each other with forgiveness? And even if the humble and honest answer is not all the time, we keep trying, we keep training our heart, training our mind to be as forgiving as possible. I'll say a couple more things about forgiveness and then we'll do a, a guided meditation and have some discussion. I want to uh, remind everybody that forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation, that sometimes we forgive and that forgive is, forgiveness is a very internal experience. Um, letting someone back into our hearts with, with compassion for their confusion and their, their pain and the way that they've hurt us sometimes. Um, and that sometimes it means not letting them back into our lives. And likewise, some of the people that we are asking for forgiveness and um, we're wanting some reconciliation, we're not going to always get that. 
that sometimes uh, we have to forgive ourselves and they may not let us back into their lives. Um, and that we don't need that sort of external validation. Um, we don't need to give it or receive it in order to come to a place of being at peace. It's an inside, as they say, it's an inside job. We can fully forgive ourselves. We can fully forgive others without them reciprocating it. And we can fully uh, experience forgiveness without it being offered from, uh, from others. I hope that makes sense. That's uh, been my experience, like in, in, in some cases where like somebody has died and you, know, you don't get that relationship anymore. Um, you don't have to, it's not necessary because we're holding these feelings in our own mind and our own heart. And so we can train our mind and our heart to respond with forgiveness and with compassion, with self-acceptance. There can be a tendency when we start to talk about forgiveness, I'll remind you that there's um, three categories in the way we do forgiveness and refuge. And that is um, asking for forgiveness, all the places that we're holding regret, uh, we're holding guilt, we have caused harm uh, and we've all caused harm in some way or another. And having the humility to bring to mind the people that we've harmed that resent us or have felt harmed by us and uh, asking them for forgiveness and that humble request, please forgive me. The second category, the people who've harmed us that we're holding resentment towards, bringing them to mind, thinking about their confusion, their suffering, why their pain spilled out onto us, why their ignorance offended us, harmed us, deeply wounded, uh, traumatized us in some cases. And offering forgiveness. And the humble phrase that I try to include is, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment, so that we're not forcing it, where uh, the humility to know I can't make forgiveness happen, but I'm inclining my mind, I'm training my heart towards the intention of forgiveness as much as I can in this moment, the honest truth of right now, I'm forgive you a little bit <laughs> or maybe a little bit more or maybe a, or not much at all, but I'm trying, you know, I'm trying and I'm practicing the uh, skill of forgiveness and it might take months or years to really dislodge some of those long held resentments. The uh, third category is forgiving ourselves. And I talked a little bit about, with other people, we can have boundaries, you know, and not let them back into our life. With ourselves, we're stuck. <laughs> we can't have much boundaries with ourselves. We can't let ourselves back into our heart, but not back into our home or back into our lives. We have to live with this mind. We have to live with our memories and our regrets and the judging mind and the comparing mind and the jealousy and the envy and the insecurity of the human ego is something that we all have to live with. And one of the beautiful things about Buddhism and what we're doing in refuge recovery is that it normalizes the human condition and reminds us it's not your fault that you are a self-centered, 
resenting, insecure, ego-based human being. Not your fault. It's the human condition. And that in itself, the more we can take that in to, to depersonalize what it's like to live with a human mind that is judging and comparing and feeling you know, less than or greater than or the insecurity, the unworthiness that so many of us experience, it's so normal. And then having these conversations, these Dharma conversations that say, it's not your fault. This is, you know, this is the Buddha's teaching. He's talking about the human psychology that is universal. And it's not because you're an addict and it's not because you're neurotic and it's not because you're, it's because you took birth. And when we take birth, we get this sense of self, I am. And that self-centeredness that we end up personalizing all of our thoughts and feelings. And it makes life more and more uh, challenging. But the more we can bring forgiveness to the judging mind, forgiveness to the comparing, to the lust, to the craving, to the addictive tendencies in our lives, the more we can live with a sense of ease in the midst of the human condition, not some magical... I think some people think if we meditate enough, it'll be like a spiritual lobotomy. <laughs> like you'll just scramble the afflictive emotions out of your brain rather than what happens if we meditate enough and appropriately, not just mindfulness, but also loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness and appreciation and equanimity. If we do these heart practices enough, we develop compassion for our minds. It doesn't get rid of them. We develop forgiveness for our minds. It doesn't get rid of the difficult parts of having a human mind. Actually, it does, in my experience, and I think uh, it's safe to assume and expect that it drastically, our recovery and our meditation practice drastically decreases the neurotic tendencies in our minds, drastically decreases the amount of afflictive emotions we experience as it increases the amount of wisdom, the amount of compassion and forgiveness that we're able to respond with. But at no point should we expect a perfect mind, only a perfectly forgiving relationship to the imperfections of our mind. I hope that makes sense. At no point, no matter how sober, how many decades of recovery, no matter how many you know, retreats you've been on, I've been on a hundred retreats. <laughs> You know, no matter, you know, there you're still going to be living with the human condition. And this is the Buddha's teaching. He said, even after my full enlightenment, I continued to be molested by Mara. I continued to be attacked by this part of my mind that was insecurity and craving and resentment. But I learned to meet it all with compassion, with forgiveness, and ultimately understanding it's not who I am. It's just what the, the human brain does. And so his claim was the end of suffering was the end of taking it personal. The end of believing I am my thoughts and learning to meet the mind with forgiveness, learning to meet Mara with forgiveness. He would say to Mara that ego attack that we all experience at times. 
He would say, I see you, Mara. I forgive you, Mara, to your own mind. So I'm going to lead a meditation and I'm going to encourage and invite and encourage people who going into the holidays to take on a daily forgiveness practice for the next couple months through all of November, through all of December. It will shift your relationship to the difficult thoughts in your own head. It'll shift your relationship to the difficult people in your life. It can be interesting uh, to bring to mind people that you don't even have conscious resentment towards and send them forgiveness and see what comes up when you start thinking about your mentor and I forgive you, or you start thinking about your sibling that you don't have a lot of resentment and I forgive you as much as I can. And just see, because sometimes some unconscious feelings will be revealed. I forgive you outward in all directions to all living beings, not just the personal ones, but the people driving down the street. Forgiveness for the ignorance of humanity. Forgiveness for the confusion of politics, of whatever it is. I forgive you. It's just a good response to just about every situation. <laughs> and even when it's not called for, it can be quite interesting to see, does it stir up anything? So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed and we'll do a forgiveness meditation together. Allowing the eyes to be closed and relaxing, releasing, softening into the present moment. Turning towards your own mind and just this introductory talk about forgiveness, see what's happening, something stirred up. What's happening in your heart and mind right now, bringing mindfulness. Sometimes the belly tightens the heart closes to protect itself when we even think about forgiving. Soften your belly, open your chest. Know that forgiveness is safe. The anger that we hold doesn't actually protect us. It harms us. Bringing to mind 
some of the people in your life that you know have felt harmed by you. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's some of the people you might see over the holidays. And recollecting what it was that we did, how we behaved, our selfishness or our addictions, our anger or our fear that cause harm to others as we begin asking for forgiveness, knowing that we have the karma of our actions and that we don't need to hold shame about it, but that there is a healthy sense of regret as we begin saying, please forgive me for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional. And that's the core practice. Please forgive me for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional. Sometimes in our addictions, we think we're not harming anyone but ourselves until we realize how much it hurt those who care about us to see us suffering in these ways. Please forgive me for having harmed you, even if it was unintentional. Repeating over and over slowly in your heart, in your mind, softening your belly. Please forgive me as you bring to mind the people who you may see this holiday, the people who you know you've caused some harm to. The people who you know been angry with you, whether justified or unjustified, just asking for forgiveness.
get interested, see who arises in the mind, sometimes unlikely characters show up, come to mind. It's just a practice, whether it feels cathartic or not, just keep asking for forgiveness. And letting go of the first category of asking, coming back to your body. Feel the breath. Relax the jaw, the shoulders, the belly. And begin offering forgiveness to the people who've caused you harm. Again, if it feels appropriate in preparation for the holidays, the people that you may see, or perhaps you won't even see, but you'll be thinking about that have harmed you. Opening to the possibility of forgiveness as much as I can in this moment. the intention, the openness, the potential of freeing ourselves from the unnecessary suffering of clinging to the past, of holding to anger and a vain attempt to protect ourselves. Forgiving as much as we can, as an act of kindness to ourselves, let go. We don't need to continue hurting ourselves at them. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Seeing who comes to mind, siblings, parents, friends, partners, in-laws, whoever it is, our own children. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for the ways that I've felt harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional.
See who else shows up as you open your heart, your mind. So the possibility of forgiveness, of letting go. Letting go of the pains of the past where they're just memories rather than resentments. Where we meet the confused actors, the confused people in our life who harmed us with compassion for their ignorance, their confusion. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for allowing your confusion, your ignorance, your greed, your hatred, your lust or fear to cause me harm. I see your suffering. I understand how confused, how much pain you must have been in. And I offer you forgiveness as much as I can in this moment. Of course, the mind wanders. We'll come back, back to the next phrase. Humbly asking for offering forgiveness as much as we can in this moment. Trying not to get too lost in the stories, the justifications, the resistance. Just come back to the phrase. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for all of the ways that I felt harmed, whether it was your intention or not, intentional or unintentional.
and letting go of the second aspect. Come back to the breath, the body. Here now, sitting, feeling your body in contact with the cushion, the chair. Letting go of the past altogether. Present time awareness. as we turn towards ourselves with forgiveness towards this mind, this body, this heart, this ego. Send yourself forgiveness. Saying to yourself, perhaps using your own first name, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Sometimes it can be useful to think of yourself as a child. Sending compassion, forgiveness to that kid whose difficulties would feel unbearable, who would start to internalize the pain they were experiencing, blaming themselves. Send forgiveness to that young person, that younger aspect of yourself. I forgive you for not knowing that it wasn't your fault. Sending forgiveness to that adolescent, the young adult, all of the different parts of your life that were difficult, that none of us probably navigated all that well. I forgive you as much as I can using your own first name. For all of the ways that I caused myself harm. The relapses. I forgive you. The judging mind, I forgive you. The anger, the fear the anxiousness, the depression, the cravings themselves, all of the manifestations of what the Buddha called Mara, I forgive you. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Perhaps not perfectly, but I turn my heart, my mind, my life towards the process of forgiveness. 
when you're ready, letting go of the self-forgiveness, coming back into present time awareness, what's happening in your belly right now. As you exhale, can you soften around the tension, into the tension, if there is any. What's happening in your heart? Can you breathe in and out of the heart with compassion, with acceptance of ourselves just as we are in this moment? And then when you're ready, allowing your eyes to be open, bringing attention back to the space you're in, to the screen that you're in front of. Perhaps turning back on the camera and being, you know, see this Sangha, this community of people meditating together, doing our work, doing our healing, doing our recovering together in a real way, in a deep way. And sometimes when you do forgiveness, it feels pretty dry. They say you can categorize practice as dry or wet. Sometimes it's quite dry and it just feels like empty words saying, I forgive you, but not meaning it yet. Sometimes it's wet, it's, you know, because it becomes cathartic and there's some tears and there's some, some emotions around um, some sadness of the pain of our life or, and some, some releasing. And um, wherever you're at in that process, you know, just uh, accepting right now, uh, it's like this. This is what it's feeling like in my practice right now. And if you do it daily, and I want to encourage everyone, a, a challenge, a forgiveness challenge for the next couple of months to incorporate this meditation on a daily basis or as many days a week or as you can, but to shoot for a daily forgiveness practice for the next couple months in preparation for bringing you through the holidays, whether, you know, and I know some of you probably love the shit out of your families and are excited and it's not a big forgiveness uh, issue, um, but that's, you know, it's not true for everyone. And a lot of us probably, you know, they talk about statistically how many people struggle all over around the holidays. And, and maybe it's not even your family of origin, but it's just the, you know, capitalist consumerist advertising and, you know, the fucking goddamn Coca-Cola commercials <laughs> that, you know, we need to bring some forgiveness to. Um, so deeply encourage uh, this to be a central practice in all of our lives, all of the time as part of our recovery. And, you know, sometimes giving ourselves a little bit of a challenge of saying, you know, these, these months, I'm just going to focus on it. I'm going to really go deep into deepening my experience of forgiveness for myself and for others and, and for asking for forgiveness. And when it's appropriate with some guidance from your mentor, making those direct amends. You know, after you've done your inventories and you've looked at your part in the resentments and, you know, making those direct amends also part of our, our recovery process. I'll leave it there and open the, uh, open to questions, to comments, to clarifications um, around this topic, around forgiveness and, and our process of recovery. What are your thoughts?
I have a question. Uh, I'll take I'll take hands. Um, so uh, just raise your hand uh, in the reactions button, and then I'll call on you in in that order. Uh, Matthew, go ahead. You're you're first. Thank you for taking my question. Um, could you describe the difference between the difference or the separation between being able to forgive someone who has harmed us, but not forgiveness in a way that says you what you did to me was okay, or that I'm giving you a pass on the harm you did, especially in intentional harm. Yeah. That forgiveness is a sense of our own ease rather than letting others off the hook. Thank you. You're welcome. And I mean, just the way that you're asking the question to me shows that you understand internally that the forgiveness isn't letting them off the hook. It's um, us letting ourselves off the hook of saying, I don't want to hold on to this and suffer about this. Uh, in the book, it talks about um, the importance and the, the possibility of separating the actor from the action of seeing the confused, and I did it a little bit in the meditation instructions, seeing the people that have harmed us, even intentionally, like you're saying, Matthew, um, even if it was intentional, it was intentionally out of some quite confused motivations, some greed, some hatred, some delusion, because people don't intentionally harm other people out of wisdom and love, they do it out of ignorance and confusion. So being able to see that person as being a confused person whose actions were inappropriate, unskillful, maybe even unforgivable. We're, we're not saying that um, what, what uh, people have done or even ourselves is forgivable, but the person is forgivable and that we don't need to hold hatred towards the person to continue to harm ourselves in that way. So it's that separating of the actor from the action and some actions, perhaps unforgivable actors, their impermanent confusion, they are forgivable. And also for us, we're not really doing it for them. And the other piece of that is remembering karma. No matter whether we forgive somebody or don't forgive somebody, they have their karma. They didn't get away with shit. You know, this, you know that's a, the simple definition of karma. Nobody gets away with anything ever. <laughs> simple definition of karma. So we don't have to hold hatred to somebody in order to hold them responsible. We are all fully responsible. They are fully responsible and will bear the fruit of their unskillful actions. We will bear the fruit of our unskillful actions, whether somebody holds us accountable with their anger or meets us with compassion and forgiveness. So I hope that helps, right? Separating actor from action, remembering karmic responsibility. Thank you. Welcome. Tamika. Thank you so much for that meditation. That's the one I struggle with the most. Uh, Self-forgiveness is the one I like, but forgiveness is hard because with some actors um, asking for, the, for their forgiveness, I personally just don't give shit. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Which is where probably the work is, is to actually start to care about what I did to them. Um, but the second part, that's the one I've been having trouble with the most because I remember at the Harvard retreat, you said, start with the 10 pound weights. 
But my brain immediately goes to the worst actors in my life, the two worst ones. And so I started with the, let's say, 90-pound one. And that went fine. There wasn't much crying. I was like, huh, this is weird. And then I went with a 100-pound one who is dead. That was a lot harder. My body, like, physically had a reaction. Like, it was tensing up, tensing up. And I was trying to relax it and relax it. But I was able to actually get through that and keep in like my mind was wandering going off into a story but I was able to keep returning and I think the reason for that is Sangha I've attended four other meetings today um, on zoom and in the first meeting in the morning I shared about my life and it triggered my PTSD and someone said just stay here with us just stay with the Sangha and I think through Sangha, I'm able to progress in my practice. And it's really beautiful. And I'm so grateful for this community. So thank you. Thanks, Tamika. And so good to see you. Um, and I don't know if you're going to like what I have to say, which is, let's see how it's going in a year or two years or five years. You know, these practices are such a gradual process that we start them and you know my experience of i fucking hated forgiveness i have to forgive forgiveness <laughs> in the early year but i just kept doing it and i feel like it's not working and it makes me it stirs me up and you know kind of triggers me um but then as i kept doing it over the years i started to settle into it and that where you started that your comment around like i don't give a fuck i'm with you i was there and then eventually, oh, I start to care more. I start to have more empathy, more compassion, more understanding of this process of healing that's going on here. But it's a thing that takes place slowly, gradually over the months and years and even decades of our meditation practice. So um, we have to be quite patient. And as addicts, most of us aren't very patient by nature at how this process unfolds and say like, I'm not sure. I don't, like we need to um, try to suspend judgment of whether it's working really well or it's not working or I'm going to do the ones that I like, or I don't like, I'm going to like, there's a prescription here. You know, it's like, there's a, there's a prescription for a healthy life, like, right. Eat your vegetables and exercise and sleep enough and drink enough water. Right. <laughs> and it's like, do that shit, whether you like vegetables or not, eat them. <laughs> sleep, whether you like sleeping or not, you know, like that's the, you know, in order to same thing in recovery, same thing in, in what we're doing in refuge, do the forgiveness, whether you like it or don't like it, do the mindfulness, whether you like it or don't like it, practice the precepts, you know, do the inventories, do these things, and then see how it changes your life over the years, rather than like, oh, I did that meditation and I didn't like it, or, you know, um, wouldn't have got anywhere so and uh, you know there's that saying of like what we resist persists and you know uh,
Ah, I thought it was just me. No, it looks like he's having some technical difficulties and he should probably be back soon, I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't have any good jokes for you all. <laughs> Maybe someone else can answer my joke. Uh, what did Buddha say when he crossed the road? Uh, what? I don't know. I was hoping someone else had the answer. Where's the Eightfold Path? <laughs> yeah. Which road? It's the Eightfold Path. <laughs> Why did Buddha cross the road to get to the Eightfold Path? Oh, there you go. Let me see here. Let me text him. Is anybody going to take him up on the challenge? I, I, I am. Yes. Me too. B3. There we go. He's hey, guys. Uh, we got a little bit of connectivity issue. Uh, hang tight. We'll be right back. Thanks, Sebastian. We're just telling jokes. Why did Buddha go against the stream? To climb the tree of life. That's like a Zen code. You're muted, Noah. We're just entertaining ourselves. I got kicked off of Zoom. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm sorry about that, but I'm back. And I think we probably lost the recording. Nope, doesn't look like we did. We forgive um, you. Thank you. Yeah, please forgive me. Maybe I'm on the wrong Wi-Fi. That's what it is. I'm on the wrong Wi-Fi. Okay, am I back? Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. sorry, again, sorry about that. Um, Christine, go ahead. I just wanted to kind of share an experience I had during the meditation that as I was asking others for forgiveness, I became aware that I was kind of making excuses and that I was conflating understanding and forgiveness. I was trying to ask for forgiveness by having them understand me but that's not the same thing. They can forgive without understanding. I can forgive others without understanding too. And I, 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 it kind of took a weight away from the forgiveness, but I hadn't been aware that I'd been conflating the two. So I just wanted to share that. I love it. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why that um, intentional or unintentional is in there. Because sometimes we're so, you know, we want to make sure people know, well, it wasn't my intention or my intention was this or, and in the forgiveness, just that sort of blanket, like, it doesn't matter whether you totally understand or I totally understand or, you know, sometimes in the kind of relationships where we can have that conversation, it's useful, um, but it's not necessary for forgiveness. 
Thank you. It, yeah. sounds, it seems like it's going to make it much easier. Yeah. Thank you for that. Chris. Hey, Noah. Thanks for that, man. Um, it's a really good timing. I went to the grocery store today and it was like for the first time this season bombarded with all the Christmas stuff being out and, and it kind of brought the fact that I'm looking down the barrel at these holidays in a, in a way I've never been in before in a way I don't know how well I'll manage. And so I'm, I'm of the mindset that maybe I should go to Central America and just surf for those two separate weeks and those two separate months and just unplug, or I'm of the mindset of maybe I should find a retreat at a monastery and go, or maybe I should just go for the ride and sit with it and see what happens. But just curious as to your experience on others in, in recovery uh, who are sort of in pseudo crisis mode and, and what you've seen work to help them get through. Are you in your first year? No, but I relapsed uh, about two and a half months ago now. Okay. Um, do you have much in-person community around, around you? Uh, 12 step. I have some, mm -hmm. uh, refuge I have and Sangha. I have, uh, a couple. Yeah. Um, I mean, my own experience in early recovery, um, being, you know, getting into getting sober, you know, um, and being around family is that I would often do a lot of the fellowship recovery stuff. I'd, I'd pop in and I'd do the family stuff, but then I'd always have the kind of, uh, you know, the 12 step is would so great. And there would be like marathon meetings, whereas like, you know, no matter what you can go and you can hit a meeting. Now that we have zoom, we, you know, we have that where we can kind of check in on zoom. Um, and some holidays, you know, maybe we could put together some sort of marathon zoom meetings for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or whatever, so that there could always be that check-in like Tamika said earlier around, like I hit five meetings today because I needed the, you know, connection, the support and the, um, so it's hard to say, um, at some point it's, it, I think it's important in healing for us to, to deal with the holidays with family or, or whomever, if that, if that is appropriate for you at some point. So, and also in early recovery, it's important to protect our recovery. And if we know, if there's a sense of like, fuck, if I go home, I'm going to drink or I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, the addiction, um, then don't go go with friends, go surfing, go, go to a retreat, go to the monastery. Like, you know, if, if there's that core sense of like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make it through this holiday and maintain my abstinence um, with my family, then skip it. Right. Or I, I have a friend um, who's a few years into recovery, but still will often bring like a sober friend to the holidays with their family. Because they're like, look, I, you know, I've, I've been at this for years, but still, like, if, if, if at all possible, I'm going to bring someone with me that will support me through this. And so maybe you have a recovery friend that will come with you if you choose to stay. Um, and if you choose to go, you know, surfing in Costa Rica, also sober friend, good idea. <laughs> right? Also a good idea. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Pepper, last one. We'll end with Pepper's question. 
I am actually going surfing in Costa Rica in Nosara for Christmas. So I would say do it. Um, I am actually brand new to my recovery. So I apologize for speaking out. I, you know, I, I've been feeling this desire to, to ask for forgiveness and I'm very new. And when I say new, I think today is day 10. Um, ask for forgiveness from my family. I guess at what stage do you do that? Is there, you know, cause I've got the book and the, the first and the second, you know, do I get through that inventory first and then ask, or does, is there a strategy there? Um, there is a strategy and maybe it's two different things though. Um, sometimes in early recovery, it's totally appropriate to make a sort of casual acknowledgement or serious acknowledgement to our friends and family and be like, yo, sorry, I was so alcoholic strung out in my addiction, whatever it was and acknowledge, you know, and I know that hurt you and kind of that can be appropriate early on. That's not the amends that we're talking about after we've done, you know, the invent we've been meditating, we've been in recovery, we're developing community. You get a mentor, you're doing your inventories. You've been doing the forgiveness meditation, the conversation that you'll have when it comes time to say, I want to take full responsibility for all of these ways that I know I harmed you and I want to make amends to you. That's a different conversation that you don't do in early recovery. Okay. You wait until you have a bit more insight and recovery under your belt. And then with the kind of um, guidance and support of someone who has already done that, what we call a mentor here in refuge. Um, does that make sense? I'm, I'm kind of thinking two but, different things. Well, and it does. And I, I think it's, it does because it's like, I want to tell them, Hey, yeah, yo, I'm, I'm going through this. Yes. Um, and I'm sorry, but I don't have the rest of the words. Right. Right. Yes. So I, I hear you that maybe the rest of the words will come later, but I do want to acknowledge them and say, Dude, yeah. Sorry about this. And I'm on this path. Absolutely. You know, it's like um, when you go to treatment, uh, uh, they bring in your family at some point, usually, and there's like the family weekend. <laughs> and you have that initial conversation. And then you make the real amends way later once you've really done the, the work and you have that language and that insight doesn't sound like you're in treatment you're but you know so but you're in early recovery and welcome you know by the way welcome and and you can stay right and you I can I love this place I yeah. love it I'm not going anywhere <laughs> Yeah and you can be here and you can stay and um and then there'll be a time where it'll be appropriate to have a, a deeper conversation with all of the people in our lives that we've caused harm to Thank you for that I informed that. also by this forgiveness meditation and it's way different, you know, this is one of the things, um, you know, that we have this tool of asking for forgiveness in our meditation, which informs the process of making amends in a way that in the 12 step world where they say make amends, but they don't have a forgiveness meditation to guide towards that. I, you know, we're so lucky that we have this practice to inform that process of making amends when that's time. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for the space. Welcome, Pepper. Welcome to Refuge. Good to see everybody. Sorry about my, uh, you know, tuning out there for a minute. Um, December, I don't know, first Thursday in December. 
I'll be back and hopefully see some of you there. You can report whether you got your 30 days of forgiveness in, um, the forgiveness challenge, spread the word. A uh, couple of announcements. One is mentor each other, uh, whether you feel qualified or not. You know, just when they ask for mentors, start working on your inventory, start helping each other. You know, even, you know, we have this thing around like, like eat, not to single you out, Pepper, but <laughs> Pepper, 10 days. If there's somebody with one day, talk to that person, help them, tell them how you got 10 days. You know, like all of us, like more service, less, there's, there's this unfortunate situation that's happening where not enough people are raising their hand um, to mentor and to just support each other. And maybe you don't feel ready to mentor, but still raise your hand and say, I can't, I'm not ready to mentor, but I'm happy to help. I'll take the phone calls. I'll listen. Um, if you can't find a mentor in your area, co-mentor each other. So I just want to really encourage that, encourage it. Um, I also want to say something about the financial support of refuge recovery. Um, it looks like there is um, a very small percentage of people who attend meetings donate, uh, like maybe as low as 10%. So like if you're at a meeting and there's 30 people there, what we're seeing kind of actually follow through and do the donation is maybe two or three people per meeting, even though we know there's 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 people there. Um, so maybe if you can you know, personally donate regularly, Refuge Recovery World Services needs the support. We're running at a deficit just to pay for the Zoom and the rent on the office and the employees that we have. And we'd like to have some abundance so we can offer more uh, scholarships to retreats. And so all of that money uh, is necessary to run the organization. So maybe make the, you know, when you're making the announcements at a meetings, um, also if, um, if you could also um, remind people at meetings that Refuge Recovery World Services needs the support, isn't getting it, is running at a deficit. And, um, you know, if we can up the uh, amount of support, we could really appreciate it. And I saw that Michelle put in the chat, the link for donations. We're gonna send out a newsletter where I'm requesting, consider becoming a monthly supporter of Refuge. You know, I don't get paid for doing this. I do this out of the, my service, this, the, the first Thursday. I'm, I'm here just to, to share with you. Um, all of the money that you donate will go to the world services to support us. Um, consider becoming a monthly supporter and just saying like, I'm going to give 50 bucks a month to help support the organization. If you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it at all. Know that you're welcome to attend these, the meetings without making any donations at all. Everyone's welcome, no fees, but also we have expenses. So any ways that people can help is greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, mentor, donate finish your inventories, <laughs> get those inventories done. Don't, don't procrastinate forever. Uh, I know it's a lot of fucking questions, but those are the questions that set us free, you know, and investigate and, and uncover and, and, uh, and, you know, just, just deeply encourage everyone to finish those. Um, good to see everybody. Thanks for being here. And I'll see you next time. Many merit that comes from our practice be shared outward in all directions with all living beings. May each one of us get as free as possible in this lifetime 
And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks, everybody. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.